Something I want to emphasize, if anybody reads the book, I really want to say that um, unfortunately, the vast majority of prisoner rebellion that has unfolded in Rikers or anywhere has been lost to history, or at least is not recorded by me, right? I really bristle when I read these books. Oh, the whole story, the untold story, blah, blah, blah. Um, it's like, no, actually, you don't know anything approaching the, the whole story. And the untold story usually ends up having a Wikipedia page. So it's like, really, is this untold? Uh, but so I, and I, this was um, definitely, this was hit home to me in a discussion that I actually had with, um, with Alex Campbell, uh, David Campbell, who was incarcerated during COVID. Um, we would talk on the phone a lot and we would, we would, uh, we would face, FaceTime, whatever they call it. Um, and he was a part of this really radical direct action um, where uh, he and a, a few other prisoners organized um, uh, a strike um, in the early days of COVID uh, in protest of the, the guards just not taking it seriously at all, exposing them to COVID not giving them PPE, keeping sick people in the same dorm as everybody else. And the whole time the guards are saying, oh, it's just like the flu. Oh, COVID's bullshit, right? All this all this shit that they probably still believe. Um, so uh, David organized um, a very impressive strike. And he, he wrote about, we published it on Hardcrackers uh, under the title, Stick Up on Rikers Island. He wrote a beautiful account. It's one of my, one of my favorite pieces of, uh, prison writing ever. I mean, he was right up there with Victor Serge, right? Um, and I was talking to him and I was like, I, I kind of became a fanboy. I was like, man, what you did was so cool. Oh, I'm so impressed. I love you. You know, you're so impressive. And he said, he's like, man, they do this shit here all the time. Right? This stuff happens all the time. The only difference is there isn't some fucking activist person who is you know fish out of water there who's then going to go and write an article about it send it to his friend who edits a magazine and is then going to publish it, right so the the vast majority of prisoner rebellion actually does not get recorded and i really want to emphasize that because um there's a, there's a there's a long-standing culture of resistance at rikers and i'd be willing to bet most carceral facilities um that we can glean from right. The, the the archives and from the records but um you know the more i learn about these facilities the more i think that that's just a fingernail i feel like i mean that make i feel like that makes a lot of sense given if you think about people like the malcolm x for instance as an example or like huey newton who like people who already were militant activists but then they spend any time in prison and it's like there's like a shift a very fundamental shift like maybe less so Huey Newton, but I mean he was in and out of prison. But like no, I mean I think no, I think back to his older life. Yes, Huey Newton is a good example. But point being, like they spend time in prison, and then that this there's this kind of metamorphosis of sorts, and I think it's tied to what you're describing of like yeah, that makes sense that a lot of when you're somewhere where it's like just horrible conditions, what can you have to be a particularly ghoulish person to be no i'm actually going to side with the guards yeah speaking of which jared uh how did your own experience of being in prison in rikers uh inform this work that you did and continue to do 
Oh, this is everyone's favorite topic. Um, I, I hope I don't disappoint your 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 listeners. Like I have disappointed many of my friends by saying the realist ex-con, you know, actually wasn't there for very long. Um, I was I received a forty-five day sentence. I served two thirds of it, right, um, on good behavior because I'm a good disciplined subject. Um, but that's so, longer than either of us have been to prison. Well, yeah, it was funny at the at the time I was talking to um, to a psychologist in my in my department at the CUNY Grad Center, and I said, "Yeah, I want to write something about being there, but ah, uh, you know, I'm only going to be there for a month. That's really not a lot of time." And she was like, twenty four seven for a month is longer than most people do their field work." And I said, "Okay, but so um, <laughs> <laughs> so." The experience of being locked up there, in all seriousness, um, introduced me to a a world, a, a, a complete world that's almost like the upside down in Stranger Things, because it is um, just under the surface of New York City. Um, you know, you're literally in very close proximity. Um, to your next door to LaGuardia Airport, the planes buzz by all day. You go out in the, the exercise yard. You're looking at the Empire State Building. You're looking at the buildings from half of the half of the dormitories. Um, beautiful view, ocean breeze, um, and you're meeting people from, uh, for the most part, uh, the city's um, poorest communities of color. Um, who are in and out of this system all the time. Um, a lot of people who alternate between the, um, the, the shelter system and the jail system. Um, a lot of people who have just been getting shuffled around from one institution to the other since they were, since they were young, right. Who go to schools that resemble the jail that were locked in. Right. Um, and we're, you know, we're praying to the school, the prison pipeline, um, and so anyway, um, it gave me a sense of New York City as a totality, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, this, is, this is an essential part of New York City, and it always has been uh, for as long as it's existed. And it's as essential to New York as the subway, as the water system, as the electrical grid, right? This is, a, this is an important part of how New York City functions. Um, and I just was not finding that represented in the literature of New York City. Mm-hmm.